was talking to Jared Anderson on the phone on Friday, and we were talking about Easter and what we were going to do. And um, when we got done, we're like, I don't think anybody's going to be able to walk out of this place. We're all going to be flying so high. It's like we're going to just like levitate out or something because we're just going to be, we're going to be so pumped up. God is, uh, he is good, isn't he? Would you get your Bibles out, your sermon notes, and allow the Lord to speak to you in just the next few minutes that we have together and uh, write anything down that the Lord speaks to you. We're in a sermon series called Red Letter Day. We're looking at the red letters that Jesus spoke in the Gospels, those words in red ink in your Bible, and we're talking about them and and seeing what did Jesus say, not just to his followers back then, because Jesus wasn't just talking 2,000 years ago, he's talking to you today. He's equipping you to follow him, and so today, I want to ask you the question, what makes Jesus angry? What makes Jesus angry? What comes to mind when you think about Jesus? There's probably different pictures that you have. Maybe you think of a Christmas Jesus, like baby Jesus in the manger, or maybe you think about him as the good shepherd carrying the sheep to safety, or maybe you think of him as our provider feeding the five thousands. Maybe you think of him on the cross dying for our sins. What a powerful picture of Jesus. Maybe you think of him bursting out of the tomb on Sunday morning, that Easter Sunday morning, and that's the Jesus you think about. Maybe think about Jesus on Palm Sunday, coming in as king, being worshipped by the crowd, and that is a powerful picture of Jesus. But what happened right after the triumphal entry is something that boggles to mind. In fact, Jesus leaves the donkey, walks into the temple, and he cleanses the temple. Jesus gets very, very angry on Palm Sunday. Jesus is just like you and me. You may say, well, I don't know if Jesus really got that angry. Trust me, he really got that angry. Because he's just like you and me. Hebrews 4, uh, 15 says that he was tempted in every way. He is just like you and me, except he knew no sin. He never sinned in his anger, but he knew what it was like to be angry. And trust me, he was very angry with the disciples at times. Mostly Peter, but the disciples. He was very angry with the religious leaders. In fact, he was angry with them more than anybody else. But what makes Jesus angry? Let me give you a few things. One thing that makes Jesus angry is unfruitfulness. Unfruitfulness. Jesus is very interested in the fruit that our lives are producing, and it says it very clearly. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 17, a good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. Jesus is very interested in the fruit produced in your life. In fact, after he cleanses the temple, he leaves Jerusalem. As he's walking along, he sees a fig tree there. And when that fig tree had no fruit, he cursed it and it died. Jesus is very interested in the fruit in our life. You want to know why? Because he's the vine and we're the branches. As long as the branch is connected to the vine, it will produce fruit. And so if you're not producing fruit, that means you're not really connected. Jesus doesn't like unfruitfulness because it shows that we're not really abiding. Jesus got angry with anyone who would hurt a child. Jesus got angry with anybody that would mess with kids. In fact, Jesus sounds more like somebody from the mafia than our Savior when he says this in Luke 17 too. It'd be better that you're thrown into the sea with a millstone hung around your neck than to cause one of these little ones to fall into sin. He says it's better that you go swimming with the fishes than you harm a child. 
or you keep a child from me. He took children who were the lowest in their social time period. In that, in that time, they were socially unacceptable to act like a child or be kind to a child. And, and so the children are at the bottom, and Jesus elevates them. Jesus lifts them up to a new place. In fact, he says in Luke 18, 3, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like, a little children, become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. Not just does he raise them up. He says if you're not like them, you can't get into heaven. Here's, here's the bottom line, is that a child is a model disciple. A child is a model disciple. Are we like little children? Jesus got angry with those who were self-righteous and judgmental. He couldn't stand the people that thought they were better than other people. The ones who kept everybody at arm's distance from themselves and from God. It was the self-righteous who thought they were okay. They didn't have a sin problem, but everybody else did. He didn't like the self-righteous. In fact, in Mark chapter 5, and excuse me, Mark chapter 3, verse 5, it says, and when he looked round about on them with anger, being grieved at their hardness of heart. Jesus was angry with those that were self-righteous, those who were judgmental, and the religious leaders really bore the brunt of most of Jesus' anger. Jesus hates those things, but Jesus also got angry on Palm Sunday. Probably one of the most magnificent days of Jesus' life, fulfilling the prophecy in Zechariah 9.9, Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Jesus walks into Jerusalem as a king, and there was a celebration like Jerusalem had never, ever seen. He comes in at the height of his ministry. He is more popular now than any other time. And the city of Jerusalem is probably full of 150,000 people, three times the size of its normal size, and he comes in as a king. People are worshiping. They're waving palm branches, throwing them on the ground so the donkey wouldn't have to walk on the hard ground. Think of it as somebody rolling out the red carpet for Jesus, and that's how Jesus enters. One of the most significant, powerful moments in Jesus' life to that point. And what's he going to do? What would be the first thing for a king to do? Go to the temple, make a sacrifice, teach, heal, do something. So Jesus is off to the temple. The crowd starts running with him. This is going to be great. But the first thing he does is he gets angry. In verse 12 of Matthew chapter 21, it says, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He, he knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, the scripture declares my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. The crowd was shocked. The disciples were stunned. The religious leaders could not figure out what is going on. Jesus comes in and he cleans house. He's throwing tables over. Animals are running everywhere. He's whipping chairs around. This is our Jesus. It's hard to think about Jesus this way, but but he's so angry, you can, you can hear the coins falling on the stones of the temple floor. And, and, and Jesus is like a madman running around. And John says that Jesus actually had a whip. He went all Indiana Jones on him there, man. Just... That's how angry Jesus is. What happened, Jesus? 
what happened to our good shepherd, our loving Savior, what happened. I could see the, the guys that Jesus is doing this to. Hey, I'm just doing my job. This is just how things are done. This is how it's done now, Jesus. I, I'm, not, I'm just doing my job. Jesus was angry because his house was being used for a purpose other than what was intended. See, it says in Isaiah 56, 7, I will bring them to my holy mountain of Jerusalem, and I will fill them with joy in my house of prayer. I will accept their burnt offerings and sacrifices because my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations. It's not a place of sacrifice, although they made sacrifices. It wasn't a place of teaching, although it was a place of teaching. It wasn't a place of music and worship, although they, they worshiped God with music there. It was supposed to be a house of prayer. And that's not just the temple, that's the church as well, that the church should be a praying church. That should be our main point, our main focus. I mean, the, the church was birthed in a prayer meeting in Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2. And the church never did anything without praying. We're called to pray. What do we learn about this Jesus that's angry? What makes Jesus so angry? Let's look a little deeper in this Palm Sunday story from Jesus. See, the bottom line, this is really important, is that following God is not a financial transaction. Following God is not a financial transaction. You say, well, Pastor Darrell, we're doing fundraisers, or we have bake sales, or spaghetti dinners. It's like, yeah, those go to fund ministries, but that is not what Jesus is talking about here. So when you come to Jesus' church, when you come to church, it doesn't cost you anything to come to church. There's no fee to get in. There's, there's, you don't have to, to give in the offering to worship or to hear God's word preached. You don't have to make any financial commitment to talk to somebody or be prayed for. We should put it on the outside of our church, no purchase required. You can just come in and you can just worship God. But in Jesus' day, it was much different. There were levels of access and you had to pay to get into that access that you wanted. And so if you want to just go in the outer court, like the Gentiles, you could do that, but you pay your tax and you get in. Well, you want to go to the inner court. You want to go to the women's court. You want to go to the men's court. You want to bring your sacrifice. Everything's going to cost you. Everything, every little thing is going to cost you. And that animal that you brought, that's not going to work. That's, 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 you, need to, you need to get a better, if you're going to sacrifice an animal to God, you can't bring that lousy little bird that you brought. You've got to buy one of our birds. And, and that's how they did it. Imagine if we did that. If you walked, if you came in today and you had to pay to park, then you had to pay to get in the front door into the lobby, then you had to pay to get in here, and then if you really wanted to be spiritual and sit on the front row, boy, that'll cost you. You know, we don't charge to get in. Jesus is very clear that there is no VIP seating in his church, nor are there any cheap seats. That's why we don't charge for coffee or cookies or cakes when you come in. That's why you don't have to pay money to go to a small group or attend Sunday school. That's why everything on our website is for free. If you want something, we will send it to you, a devotional, a CD. You can download any sermon. You can listen to anything. It's all for free. If you need a Bible, they're free in the lobby. Are these things free? No, they're not free. They do cost us to, to keep all these things going, the building, the website, the, just everything we do. But, but we do that when we give financially. And as Jennifer said in the offering, this is one of the most generous churches I've ever seen. 
And there's no compulsion that you have to give. It's just people saying, I believe in what God is doing. I believe in building the kingdom of God and being a part of what God's kingdom is happening right now, whether it be at the Ascension Convention this week or our church. And so we're all in. But in the temple, it was different. You'd have to come in and bring your offering. But the problem is you couldn't even bring your money in because your money was Roman money. And they came from all over the world to the temple. So you had to get temple dollars And you can imagine what they did to the exchange rate when you would bring your money in. And they would change that money and then you'd have to pay all these things and get your new animals. And and, and then you know what they did is if, if you had to trade in your animal for a better animal, they just kept your animal in the back until the next guy came and sold to the next guy. I mean, it's just, that's just what they did. It was just such a racket, and the priests were always getting a cut of everything that was going on. It was just, it was a bad situation. Recently, I was at a, a sporting event, and I, I just, I was thirsty, and I wanted a bottle of water. So I went to the concession stand. You know how much a bottle of water was at this sporting event? $5.25 for a bottle of water. And not like some fancy water. Some generic tap water, I'm sure. But, but I'm like, I could buy a whole case of water, and if it's on sale, two cases of water for what you're charging me for one bottle, but it's the only place I can get it, and that's what the temple was run like. You may say, Daryl, that, that is back then. It's not today. But here's the bottom line. This is what I want you to think about. What makes Jesus angry? What is the common thread that runs through everything we've talked about today? What is it about unfruitfulness that really bothers Jesus? What is it about harming children? What is it about being self-righteous? What is it about what was going on in the temple? What made Jesus so angry? And here it is, the whole sermon in one sentence. This is it. Jesus hates anything that keeps someone from God. Jesus hates anything that keeps someone from God. And in all those cases, they were holding God at arm's length. And this is really good news that you don't have to jump through hoops to get to God. But there are things in our life that keep us from being close to God. And Jesus gets angry and he hates anything that keeps people from God. So let's examine what we've talked about. Unfruitfulness. What is the unfruitfulness in your life that is keeping you from God? Where are you detached so that you cannot be close to him? And the first thing that comes to my mind when I think of unfruitfulness and, and things that separate us from God, although we have a relationship with Him, the things that separate us from God are sin. Sin separates us from God. And so examine your heart and your life and see if there's maybe a sin that you love a little bit more than you love God. Could it be lust or greed or jealousy? Pride. All of these things that we call sin separate us from God. And, and so Jesus hates anything that would do that. When it comes to the little children, Jesus didn't want anyone hindering children from coming to Him. And so we have to look at, at this two ways. Am I hindering anybody from coming? Or am I even hindering myself from coming? Am I telling myself that I'm not good enough, that I can't go, that 
that Jesus won't accept me? See, we have to ask ourselves these questions. Am I hindering anyone else or am I hindering myself? Am I being self-righteous? Am I being judgmental? If we are judgmental, self-righteous, we are not just hurting other people, which we are, but we're also hurting ourselves. Because guess what? You're fooling yourself if you think you've got it all together. If you think you're better than other people, you're just fooling yourself. And Jesus doesn't want that in your heart and life. Is there fear in your life that's keeping you from God? Is there busyness in your life? I'm just, I'm just doing my job, Jesus. This is just how it is today. This is just life. Jesus, I want you to abide with me. Think of the story of Mary and Martha in the Gospel of Luke where Martha is so busy making the meal for Jesus that she ends up getting angry with Jesus and her sister Mary because she's not helping. Jesus, tell her to help me. Her anger is there at Jesus. Her anger is there at Mary. How dare you? you know? and, and Jesus says, look, Mary's doing what I, what I, want. I, I want. I want people who abide with me. I want people who spend time with me. I want people who are connected to me. That's what Jesus' heart is. You don't get credit for making a meal that Jesus didn't ask for. You can't say, well, this is my job. I'm just busy. This is just my life. Whenever we find and the Holy Spirit points out the things that are keeping us from God, that's the immediate moment to repent, to turn around and say, God, I am sorry that I have placed an idol or something in my life above you. I love you, Jesus. I want you, Jesus. And that's when we turn towards Him. That's when we can begin to imagine a life that's completely connected to God because Jesus hates anything, anything that is keeping you from Him. Don't stand on the outside looking in. Don't let anybody else stand out there either. Just bring them in. And how do we do that? I think Jesus made it very clear when He talked on the day He got angry that His house is to be a house of prayer. I believe that prayer is how we connect with God probably more than any other way. It's that communion with God. It's that time with God. That's us talking to God, but not just talking to Him, being open and listening from Him. It's that, it's that communion, that abiding together. And the thing I love about Jesus, and I know that we've talked about Him being angry today, but I want to tell you that when you come to Him with open arms, He's not going to be angry. He's going to come to you in love. He's going to respond to you as you draw near to Him. Jesus just hates whatever's keeping you from Him. Whether it's something you did or somebody did it to you or, or, or your past or, or present, it, Jesus is just waiting for you to come to Him. And when you do, He will respond in love. He will welcome you in. He will hug you. He will kiss you. He will, he will put that, that robe of righteousness on you. He will, he will bring you into His family. He loves it when you come to Him. And everything we need is found in Him anyway. He's our source. So we should abide in Him. We should start hating the things that keep us away from God or that keep other people away from God. We should start sharing Jesus.
this week. This final week of Jesus' life is the most important because it's the moment when Jesus removed the ultimate barrier between us and God. See, this Holy Week and Good Friday into Easter is important because there was sin separating us from God. And Jesus came and He died on a cross for our sin. Because Jesus hates anything that is keeping you from God. Jesus hates that sin in your life. He doesn't hate you. God loves you. He created you. He made you for Himself. He, he desires everyone to come to know Him. And so He said, I'm going to come and I'm going to take care of the ultimate barrier that's keeping us apart. Jesus loved you that much. And He loves you this morning. And He's waiting with open arms. He's waiting for the prodigal to come home. He's waiting for the wayward to come back to Him. He's waiting for all of us to lay down the things that He hates in our life so that we can be in communion with Him. Abiding with Him. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning? And very quietly, I just want to give us a couple minutes to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us to see if there is anything that is hindering our relationship with God. Jesus hates anything that keeps someone from God. And so as the music plays quietly and just before we pray, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit in a prayer to speak to you to see if there's anything there, anything that you've done or someone's done to you, any sin, any idol, any fear, any self-righteousness. That we lay it down today. Jesus hates whatever is keeping you from God. And He made a way. He paid the way to remove it all. Sin does not have power over us anymore. Sin cannot come knocking on our door anymore demanding payment. We belong to God. Holy Spirit, we surrender to You in this uh, quiet moment. We ask that You speak to our lives. Just shine a, a searchlight into our, our heart right now. See if there be anything in us that would be keeping us from You. See if there be any way in us that we're hindering others to finding You. We want to hate what You hate, Jesus. We want to get angry about the things You get angry about. Lord, we want to abide in Your love, in Your grace, in Your mercy. We want to abide in You. So Holy Spirit, speak to us now and reveal those things that are keeping us from you.